This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. another episode of the family gamers podcast this is episode 316 hello hello everybody and welcome to the show as always i'm your host andrew and i'm joined by my lovely and wonderful wife anitra that's me and this week it is episode number 316 and so i had to go and find a fact about the number because that's what i do this week our fact has to do with metal like rock not that kind of metal not that kind of metal not that kind of metal steel is the topic of the day. Alloys often are added to steel to increase desired properties. Marine-grade stainless steel is called Type 316. Huh. It is resistant to certain types of corrosive environments. Like seawater. Like seawater. (laughs) (laughs) There is a variety of different types of 316 stainless steel. Some common types are the L, F, N, and H variants, but the most common are regular and L. L means less carbon in the steel. That's uh, pretty much exactly what it means. Type 304 is food-grade stainless steel. Mm. So 304 and 316 are actually very similar, but 316 exhibits better corrosion resistance and is stronger at elevated temperatures. Okay. They are also both non-hardenable by heat treatment and can be readily formed and drawn, which is how you make wire, make it into stuff. So the L in 316L stands for low. It has less carbon, but is similar to regular 316 in almost every way. Cost is similar. Both are very durable, corrosion resistant. Good choice for high stress. And I could get into it. There's a whole web page of stuff I found about 316 steel. It's a very highly used type of steel because of all of the different properties that it has. But I'm going to stop there. That is my fact for the episode 316. Okay. I have a message from our sponsor. Yes. First Move Financial wants everyone to know that the student loan debt relief application is now live. I will include it in the show notes, but you can get there through studentaid.gov. Even if you don't have student loans, it is very likely that you know someone who does and should fill out this form. Uh, This is the form to apply for $10,000 of student loan forgiveness. You have to have made less than $125,000 or $250,000 for married filing jointly in either 2020 or 2021. The application is really just your identifying information. And after entry, you should get an email verification that your application is being processed. If you have any questions, please reach out to First Move Financial today for a free 15-minute consultation about this or anything else you might wonder about that could improve your financial health. Thanks so much to First Move Financial for this very pertinent fact. I am sure there are many, many, many people out there who will be able to benefit from this program. Me too. All right. At this point in the show, it is time to talk about what we've been playing. And in the short term, meaning this past week, boy, howdy, is that depressing? The answer is not much. Not a whole heck of a lot at all. We played Green Team Wins with seven people. That was a lot of fun. It was Absolute. I feel like I say an absolute blast a lot, but guess what? It was an absolute blast. It's the game really is great. fun. It's a really good game. It scales really well. 
I think the more people, the better in Green Team Wins. For the most part, This yeah. is definitely a game I'm going to bring on the work retreat that I'll be hopefully going on in April. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be um, just really, really fun to kind of learn a little bit about people and also like scream and yell and kind of say what are you talking about <laughs> at the same yes. time. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that. I also got a chance to show our son Asher Turtle Splash. Yeah, so Asher is the one that we said would demolish us at this game. Surprisingly, he did not demolish me. He did win, mm-hmm. but I was not that far from winning myself. But you had experience with the game. I did have experience <laughs> with the game. Did you do anything with the walls to make it easier or harder or anything like uh, that? We took the walls off to keep it hard. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's 11. He's kind yes, of he aged can, out of the game a little bit, but okay. And it feels a little bit childish to play with him. Because, I mean, this is our kid who likes deep, heavy games. He's generally up for almost anything. But I think this scratched that same itch as like a chicken cha-cha-cha. And as soon as we were done playing it, he immediately wanted to play it again. Mm -hmm. And I did not have time. But it's a really nice combination of the dexterity of flicking the little turtle token down Mm -hmm. the slide. And then also the memory. I really like it. I am looking forward to reviewing this game, but I'm not going to do it until I have a chance to play with some younger children. Sure. Well, I mean, look, yes, the game was fairly basic and simple because it's really designed for that younger age demographic. I mean, it's rated four plus. Right. But what I was going to say about that is, like, that's okay. I mean, you know, sometimes we talk about the need to have a filler game between two heavy games. Well, you play this game and and you don't have that mental fatigue. So you can then turn around and immediately play something else or it again or whatever. And and that's fine. You know, I mean, we talk a lot about like, what do you play when you're tired? Or like, we didn't get to play a lot this week because we had Halloween and all the ramp up of Halloween and we were all busy all weekend and all this other, you know, things like that. And it's like, this is something that you can just kind of pull out and just hit it like quickly and, and actually get a game of something in and spend time with your kid. Yeah. And, you know, be a little bit silly with it because especially with the walls not being on the ramp, that token went all over the place. Oh, really? See, when we played it, it never went off the side of the ramp, but I'm guessing it did for you guys. Well, so sometimes off the side of the ramp, sometimes it's more sticky than you expect it to be. So really getting that effort just right so Mm -hmm. that you actually make it all the way down the ramp, but don't shoot off the other side of the (laughs) pond and like onto the table and roll away is tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I I guess I can see that. We never way over hit the thing when we played. It was always a kind of an under hit, but I can understand that. Yeah, we tended to swing back and forth between under hitting and over hitting. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. (laughs) It is what it is. Better that you're hitting the token too hard and not each other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it for me. I did play one more game of Papageno, which I really like that game. It's cute. It is cute. It's, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't really think I need to own Cabo anymore. I mean, Cabo wasn't really a game that was like, I must own this game anyway. Cabo was not a big hit for our family. Well, it was fine. I think it's still kicking around just because it's a small box. But, you know, having Papageno, I definitely think I'm going to make a little bit more of a deliberate effort to move on from Cabo. I like Papageno so much better because it's not about keeping secrets. It's about making the decision of do I want to like replace this thing that I know about or do I want to replace this thing that I don't know about? 
that's really what the decision making comes down to. Yeah, it's weird how the vibe is different in Papageno versus Cabo. Like, you can be kind of cruel in Papageno with the way that you yes. play Papageno. <laughs> yes, you definitely can. Or even the way you play, what is it, the egg The card? No, not the egg, the, uh, the pan flute. Ah, okay, right, the pan flute. But it doesn't feel quite as vicious as some of the things you can do in Cabo. And I don't know why that is. I mean, there's no really good reason for it. I, maybe it's just the time in my life when I played Cabo versus when, you know, I'm now playing Papageno. I don't know. I think it's because in Papageno, there's a very obvious trade-off. The two cards that let you do kind of cruel things, Papageno lets you swap one of your face-up birds with one of somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And the pan flute, you put it somewhere and then you pass cards around the table and force people to put them in that same exact spot. Yep. Both of those two cards are worth 10 points, which is more than any other card in the game. So it's a trade-off. Yeah, if you're committing to do something truly evil, you're taking a pretty big hit yourself to do that. Right. And I mean, there are ways to mitigate that, but you better hope that nobody else wants to be evil to you in return because they will stop you from being able to get rid of those points. Um, yeah. So that's about it. I do want to share with everybody, I finally found my copy of <laughs> Sprawlopolis again. Of course, it took ordering a new copy. I mean, that's that how happen. these things work, though, right? Like, that's what happens. But I don't even feel bad because I, I ordered it as an add-on to the new Natureopolis. <laughs> I'm like, I also want a copy of Sprawlopolis because sure. I can't find mine. Sure. So it's fine. I, I'm not even mad. But I'm so happy that I found my copy with all of the various expansions that I have with it. Mm -hmm. And almost the same day, I think, is when I found it. I brought it and played it last week. And it just holds up so well. Sprawlopolis is my favorite solo game, hands down. That's good. I'm glad you found it, and I'm glad you're now going to have two of them, so you can now strategically place them in various <laughs> places in the house. That, Maybe. That's just wonderful. Right, awesome. <laughs> but you know what else? <sighs> yeah, you had a big, uh, exciting announcement. I also have a big, exciting announcement. Is your announcement that it's November? It certainly is November. But I mean, it's related to the fact that it's <laughs> okay. November. You know what it means when it turns from one month to the next? It means that the weather keeps getting colder and the days keep getting shorter. Well, that's not true in like March and November <laughs> and May. I mean, come on. I, I know, I know. But we do the monthly report. We do. And this month, the impossible has happened, Anitra. Oh, Yeah buttressed perhaps by my presence at two conventions related <laughs> to board games in the month of October. I did it. I have 35 plays in the month of October, which is only 31 days long. You averaged more than one a day. I did. I did. Of course. Do you want to guess what some of the games were that, uh, that were at the top of the list? Well, so you already told me you didn't track the game that you were demoing. Correct, which was Aldabas. Because that would be at the top of the list. Yeah, it, it <laughs> totally would be at the top of the list. But I'm going to guess Green Team Wins. Green Team Wins is number two. I'm going to guess Papageno because we played that a bunch. No, I only have Papageno down as playing it twice. I know okay. you played it a lot more than me. But, uh, fair, you fair. Um, I don't know. What else? Lani Ikea. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Sure. Number one with six plays. And then I have Scout at three plays, so my H index is three for the month of October. Once again, I played the vast majority of my games at home. 23% <laughs> of the games that I played this month, I played at QSCON. Okay. In, in two days. Got yeah. it. 
Yeah, which also means that Saturday is the day that I played the most games, sure, which is not sure. surprising. I played about 40% of my games. I played at two players, which, again, with Lani Akea at the beginning, yeah. not that much of a surprise. Yeah, I played no. 17 games with you, my dear. Aww. Almost and yet, half. one of your most played games I have not played yet, so... Scout? You know, Scout. Oh, well, so Scout at two players is not great. So yeah, we're going to have know, to get more so than we, two players. Yeah. It's a cool game. I mean, it's a really kind of neat idea. And, you know, with the inability to rearrange your hand, that really yeah. adds an interesting We, we got to play that one with the kids. Sure. So what about you? How's your month looking? All right. Well, I had 36 plays. Oh, are you for real? I, are I, you serious? <laughs> it is that final game of like Turtle Splash, I guess, that, that pushed me over. That's my very, very mature response. You're very mature. This is how Anitra beats me in board games, too. I'll be like, yeah, I got 102 points. She's like, cool, I got 103 points. Pound sand, buddy. Ugh. For what it's worth, you almost beat out Asher for most played with Great. this month. Great. I feel so special. Well, normally he's way ahead. At 11 years old, my son has supplanted me. Wonderful. Only for board games. <laughs> Or I, should I say availability to play board games? Right. Yeah, I mean, listen, get a job, you bum. <laughs> yeah, because there are so many jobs an 11-year-old can do. Well, you know, we'll find something. Anyway, all right. Anyway. All right. Um, yeah, so I had 36 plays of 18 unique games. So I had 22 unique games. I had 43 Ooh. players that I played with. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of players. And I also have an H index of three. What are yours? Papageno. Mm-hmm. Boss Monster. Yeah, I have Boss Monster at two plays. Yep. I played it four times in October. And Linnea Kea, I also played four times. Okay, cool. Yeah, Boss Monster and Papageno were the only games outside of the t my top three that I played more than once. Sure. So it was very much a survey level month for me, other than a couple of big hits. All right, and that is the monthly report. I think at this point in the show, we should uh, welcome our new community members. How does that sound? That sounds good. All right, so I'm going to get us started to say welcome to Roxanne. Welcome to Lydia. Welcome to Matthew. Welcome to Spencer. Mm, Spencer, very questionable. Spencer is a friend of ours. Can't believe he hadn't been in here until now. But we're mm. glad he's here now. Yes. Welcome to Cascos. Welcome to Simeon. And welcome to Kristen. Posted in the Family Gamers community, how did you all find the Family Gamers? We would love to know. Feel free to talk a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share, maybe some games that you like, whatever it is. We'd love to hear it. And if you're listening to this and you haven't said hello to them in the Family Gamers community, head on over there and say hi. We're a nice group of people. Speaking of nice groups of people... We have something that I would love to do these kind of more often, by the way. We have a community review. Yes. So Debbie in the community had posted some pictures of what she'd been playing and included this game called 12 Rivers. Which and looks super cool. It looks super cool. And we asked her more about it. And then she gave us a like two paragraph write up that we can share with all of you. Yeah. So I actually was like, you know what? Why don't you give me a little write-up, like a little mini review of the game, and then we'll share it on the show. This is something that I would love. I, I mean, if there's games that you're playing that you kind of want to share, like we'll kind of signal boost it if you post it in the community or if you send it to us directly via all of the ways that uh, we'll share with you at the end of the show. We will absolutely share a community review every week on the podcast. I just think that would be a really fun thing to kind of bring people together and, and give people their little 15 seconds of fame. What do you think of that? Yeah. 
All right. So first of all, you should head over to the community and see the pictures of this game. 12 Rivers looks very, very cool. Here we go. 12 Rivers. Hike with your crew up the mountain and pick up the best pearls to gain favor with the villagers. 12 Rivers is a light set collection strategy game. Do you go for the best pearls, which cost a lot of camp cards? Or do you go for the lake and concentrate on villagers? Debbie says, this is a great game. Awesome to play with kids, but also a great game for adults. The components of the game are great and of amazing quality. The board is amazing, and I will attest, it looks fantastic. And it's one of a kind with a real table presence. Full agree. She also says, not one game is the same. Enjoyment guaranteed. So there you go. Enjoyment is guaranteed. If you play this and you don't enjoy it, come on over to the Family Gamers community and talk about why. I'm not going to, you know, actually make Debbie do anything because that would be rude. But having multiple opinions is a fantastic thing. So head over to the community, talk about this game. And maybe if you want to share something about a game that you're interested in or a game that you've been playing, definitely do that as well. So, Anitra, I never actually mentioned what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, Well, if anybody was paying attention last week, we talked about video games that would make good holiday gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we worked with Steven Dutzman on the video game gift guide. And on that show, we said, next week, we're going to talk about our board game gift guide. And guess what? So that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. No snap review this week. We'll be right back to talk about that gift guide. Let's talk about board game holiday gift guide. All right, yeah, let's talk about that holiday gift guide. So what we did, we broke it up just like we do every year. We have eight different categories that you can click on at the top. There's these handy buttons that I need to put in there. Yep. So you can go directly to the section that you think might apply to you. We've got four age-based categories and then four that are other kinds of buckets, like how many players or cheap little games that are good stocking stuffers appeal to a lot of different people. Yeah, so we've got under six early elementary, older children, so like 10 plus, and then teens and adults. And then we have games for the whole family, games for two, stocking stuffers, like you mentioned, and games for everyone. So potentially non-gamers, maybe people you want to try to bring into the fold. As we often do, let's start with our recommended games for the very young. We talk about this all the time. Really young kids are still learning to take turns and follow rules and you are not going to get your four-year-old to play Gloomhaven. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. No. So we have four games in this category, four games that we rated extremely well. I think two from this year and two from last year, or maybe three from this year going back to the beginning of the year, whatever. The first one on the list is my very first game's Rhino Hero Jr. This is our favorite of the Habba My Very First Games that we've reviewed. It is so fun for kids to stack up the pieces and knock them down. And this is one that you could do as young as about two years old. It's got huge, chunky pieces. Everything is really, really safe for little kids. It's hard to lose pieces or destroy pieces. And you can start as an adult stacking up the pieces and letting your toddler knock them down. Oh. And eventually move towards counting and comparing sizes and talking about colors and all of those things. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the next one on our list is a game that I was really impressed with. I did not expect it to be such a just kind of interesting game with great components, and that is Disney It's a Small World from Funko. Yeah, so, I mean, even once I saw the great components, I was like, all right, this is a game for little kids, but this is a great game for parents or older siblings to play with young kids, and you're not going to get sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> It's this kind of image finding game where you have these really complex backdrops and you're trying to match up cards that you have and the images on the cards with figures that are on these backdrops. But your boat is constantly weaving in and out of all of these various backdrops, kind of like the It's a Small World ride. Yeah. And so you talk with kids about what they could be able to see from their boat and where they should be looking for certain things on the different cards. Like, does this make sense in this context? It really does span a whole bunch of different skills, but in a simple enough way that, you know, your pre-reading kids will probably get this game right away and be like, oh, I'm moving this way and we're looking for this stuff and then I can draw more cards and look for more things. Got it. It's very well done. Speaking of things that are very well done, the next game on our list is, I mean, incredible. I saw this game at Gamma. I was almost mad at how immediately invested I was in it because you could kind of tell that it was a kid's game. Well, it won this year's Kinderspiel de Jar. Right. Kids game of the year, according (laughs) to the Germans. And we reviewed this game and we gave this game a five out of five. So, you know, obviously we've got cred if the Germans then turned around and gave it (laughs) best kids game of the year. Yes, exactly. It was our influence. No, not not really. Uh, But this game is Magic Mountain. So you're rolling marbles down these tracks. It's very kind of Plinko-like and you're basically chasing these witches and these students down the mountain, trying to get the students down before the witches. It's so incredibly fun. It might be a little bit hard to find this holiday season. At least right now. As of release date for this podcast, it was out of stock on the Big River website. (laughs) (laughs) But I did find it in stock at Walmart.com. There you go. Which is the big, I don't know, behemoth retailer. The Mart of Walls. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of, you know, genuinely great games, high honor games, last year's Kinderspiel de Jar winner also made it onto our list, and this is Dragomino. So we've talked a lot over the last couple of months about King Domino and King Domino Origins and various different things. Dragomino is supposed to be a more kid-friendly version or kid-centric version of King Domino, And it really does do a really, really good job of that. It has less math in it than King Domino. More luck because you're picking up dragon eggs and you don't know if they're going to hatch into dragons or if they're going to be empty. But it's got all of that satisfying domino matching that we're used to from King Domino. And the terrains are excellent, just like they are in all the other King Domino games. And there are baby dragons and they're adorable. (laughs) Who doesn't like baby dragons? I mean, come on. All right, so that's going to do it for our games for the very young, under six years old, and that moves us into our games for early elementary. All right, so in this age range, we're still trying to avoid a lot of reading, and we're trying to stay away from games that are super competitive, because some six- and seven-year-olds can handle competition, but most of them really can't. Their desire to win is going to outstrip their ability to play. So consequently, all four of the games in this section are actually 
cooperative games. Cooperative or mostly cooperative, yeah. Like pseudo-cooperative yeah. games. <laughs> the first one on this list is a game called Pika Mouse that we reviewed earlier this year. This game is just brilliant. We've talked about this before. Pika Mouse, you randomly drop these tokens into a mouse house and then put this flashlight timer in the top. When everybody's ready, you push the button on the flashlight and everyone looks through the windows trying to figure out what items are in there and what rooms they're in and figure it all out before the light turns off again. Then you answer questions posed to you by a board with randomly chosen tokens to say, yes, this thing was in this room or this thing was in the same room as this other thing or uh, other questions like that. It is all done without any reading whatsoever. And the four different difficulty levels means it really grows well with kids and is a game that adults can play and not feel like it's just a dumb time-wasting exercise. They do a really good job with this game, like with the industrial design, the box becomes the board or the becomes the house. The house, yeah. It's just super smart the way this game is put together and it's really clever to work through these memory things. And hey, memory is something that at this age is something that kids are really building up and, and learning how to kind of commit things to their short-term memory. And so it's a really fun game in that way. Yeah. Note to parents, this is a game that does require a little bit of assembly the first time you play because you're pulling all the pieces out of cardboard furniture and assembling them into this mouse house thing. But once you've built it, the only assembly is you open the box you take out this sort of central board and flip it over, set it back down in the box, set the top back on, and you're done. Yeah, if you're on the younger side, on the 6-7 side, and your kids are a little destructive, I mean, this is not a game that can withstand, you know, a, a heavy beating, right? <laughs> I mean, it's cardboard after all. So it's just something to be mindful of when you're, you know, setting this one out. It's still uh, pretty play. sturdy, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's not yeah. the kind of game that's going to survive being thrown across the room, for right. example. Exactly. Thankfully, I never got that mad. <laughs> the next game on the list is another game that has a component that is a little bit fragile, and that component is actually the smartphone or the tablet that you need to use to play it. But this is Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones. So this is a game that requires one player to be a strong reader. There's not a lot of voice acting in this game, so there is a lot of reading on the app. However... That one player who's reading can be just about anybody. Our seven-year-old mostly played this game with his grandma, who knows nothing about app-driven anything and is so-so on board games. And the two of them loved it. It's an interactive story with puzzles that you solve as you go along. It uses that same Chronicles system that Chronicles of Crime does, where you're looking at scenes with a sort of pseudo 3D environment. In our case, this meant that you picked up the iPad and used the motion sensor, like literally treating it like a window you're looking through mm -hmm. and it's spinning around. It's obviously a lot less complex than Chronicles of Crime. Yeah, There's a lot, a lot fewer people that you're talking to and when you are looking through at an environment there's only one or two things that you're going to need to yeah. see or pick up or whatever but it really does a great job kind of working through this mystery it's very reminiscent of like a point and click adventure game i know we were, we were talking about monkey island last week it's very reminiscent yeah. of that style of gameplay and it's really just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed kind of watching from across the house our youngest playing with his grandma. That was really kind of cool. Yeah. 
All right, let's talk about the only game in this section that is not fully cooperative. That game is Quest Kids. So Quest Kids is a very simple dungeon crawl game where you're clearing out the cave of Tolk the Wise. You're going through this cave and you're eliminating all of the monsters. And in this game, all the monsters are represented by face down tiles on the board. And you you know move from tile to tile. You're trying to pick up these resources and those resources you then turn around and use to defeat monsters. It can get a little bit samey. So one thing that we did, which really helped a lot, was we picked up the expansion. Actually, the expansion was provided by the manufacturer. And the expansion, which does require a lot more reading, really helped to kind of tell a story. I think it was five or six kind of mini quests within the larger game. And you use the same primary mechanics that you use when you're playing the game just straight, but it wraps everything in a story. And sometimes it'll say like, take out these six tiles and put these six tiles in, you know, from a special kind of campaign deck. And in doing that, you know, you'll pick up some items that you won't use for three quests or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, hey, wait, I picked up that thing in the second quest and it's valuable in the fifth quest or whatever. But it does tell this connected story over the course of all of the quests. And it's pretty rewarding at the end when you defeat the final boss thing. I'm trying to be vague here because it does take kind of a lot to defeat the boss. In this game, you know, Anitra mentioned it's not entirely cooperative. So there is a scoring kind of system in the game where depending on what treasures you pick up or what monsters you defeat or whatever, you get a certain number of victory points. In the campaign, as you get higher in your cumulative victory point totals, you actually unlock skills or or abilities that make your character better. But in just the base game, at the end of a quest, you would tally up your points and whoever has the most points, air quote, wins. So I guess you would call this a co-opetition game in that way? Yeah, I would think so. One of the things that I've liked about this over other dungeon crawl type games that are geared at this same age range is that there really is zero reading at all unless you're doing the expansion. And even in the expansion, you could get away with one person doing all the reading. And secondly, it has a defined endpoint. It's not a keep going until you, you know, find this thing or do this thing. It's here's all the stuff on the board. You're probably going to visit every single spot and clear it out and then you'll be done. Yep. All right. The next game on the list, the last game in our early elementary section is CoraQuest. CoraQuest is in kind of an RPG dungeon crawl for younger kids. This is definitely a little bit more advanced than Quest Kids or really anything else in this section. This definitely gets up into the eight, nine-year-old range. Does require some reading. Helpful to have someone who is kind of taking the charge, not so much as like a, a dungeon master kind of a, a role, but maybe a, the strongest reader in the group would be the one who would read out kind of the narrative pieces. But this is a tile-laying RPG dungeon crawl similar to Catacombs of Karak, but with a little bit more complexity to it. It's super adorable. Almost all of the art in CoreQuest is, shall we say, heavily inspired by (laughs) children's arts. I think all of the art is children's art, but it was kind of cleaned up a little bit by their graphic artist. Yeah. So that is CoreQuest. And uh, if you're curious, you can head over to the Family Gamers website, thefamilygamers.com forward slash holiday 2022 to view all of the games that we're talking about. And in here, when we talk about CoreQuest, we actually have a link to the interview that we did with Dan Hughes, who is the dad of the father-daughter team that made this game. And I know when we did that interview, most of the stuff was still Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. but CoreQuest, the game is now available on Amazon. That's bananas, by the way. It's so cool. Yeah. 
All right, Anitra, let's get into some games for older kids. Okay, so now reading is on the table. This is games for kids who are strong readers. So they can go younger than 10. You know your kids. Our eight-year-old could play any of these and enjoy them. Um, mm-hmm. but and, he is and a, he does. <laughs> but he is a very strong reader for an eight-year-old. Yes. Let's start with more Disney content. Why not? Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances. So we talked a lot about this a couple of weeks ago when we reviewed it. Yeah. So again, full disclosure, I helped play test this game. Moving on. This game rules. It is a super fun skirmish game. There's not a lot of games out there where Disney has kind of allowed you to just throw some characters together and play with, you know, a a hero and a villain on the same team kind of thing. Yeah, most Disney things are very tightly themed to specific Disney properties, like the It's a Small World game. Yep, yep, exactly. And this is literally just all different kinds of Disney characters, Pixar characters. Each one has its own deck with various abilities and things they can do and you're just making a team of three of your favorites and put them up against somebody else's team of three of their favorites and go to it knock each other down who can earn the most points from knockdowns and stealing the crowns yeah so a couple of high points about this number one they used the acrylics which are getting a lot more popular we first saw them in a game called mythalix which Mm -hmm. i think we Mm -hmm. reviewed last year uh, these are standees, so they're in type, they're more like cardboard standees, but they're clear acrylic with full color art on them, and they look fantastic. I love them so much more than minis. And these ones have a front and a back as well, so mm-hmm. you really get a lot of that same feeling that you get from a mini of like, I am facing in this direction, I am going and doing this thing. Yeah, I'm not afraid these are going to break. You know, like you have a mini with a spear or something. I'm like, ah, yes. you know, whatever. Yes. I'm not worried about these acrylics, but they're great. So the table presence for those is really, really good. Another thing I love about this game is that it's got like four different kind of modes that get progressively more complex. Yes. So if you're playing this with a younger kid who is an okay but not great reader, you can play it some of those more simple, just like, I'm going to punch you, you're going to punch me, we're not going to use special abilities kind of a, a way. And as they grow, you can start to fold that stuff in and play a more complex game. Or even just as you're starting to learn the game, yeah, play the game without I, some of that complexity, which is actually what we did. I highly recommend, if you buy this game and start playing it, that you start with the easiest level one play you might not ever play at that level again but it's a great way to introduce you to the game without just feeling like you've been thrown into the deep end so there's kind of a base set out now there was one expansion that was out pretty early called turning the tide where they included moana stitch and Davy Jones? Does that sound right? Yeah, and we included a little bit about that in our review, mm-hmm. but there are, I think, two other expansions out now? There's one oh. other expansion out now, and there's another one coming in 2023. Okay. Well, the other one that is out now has Jack Skellington and Mother Gothel, and get this, the Horned King. <laughs> I was talking with Jake at the op when I was at Essen, and he had said that they were super excited about the Horn King, and they were actually nervous when they submitted the plans for the Horn King to Disney because it was a fairly, you know, unknown character. People don't the talk Black about Cauldron the Black Cauldron. Time ago, yes. But uh, they approved it, and they're super excited about it. So 
Let's talk about some other games that are great for this age range, sort of preteen. Yeah, when you put this next one on the list, I was actually surprised. I forgot that this was a game that we gave to our kids at Christmas last year yes. because they played the heck out of it so quickly and finished all the content in it so quickly <laughs> that I it just completely left my mind. So this is Zombie Teens Evolution. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the sequel to Zombie Kids Evolution. You do not have to have played one to play the other. Not even remotely. But we recommended Zombie Kids Evolution last year, in part because our kids had played it a ton and we knew we were giving them the teens game. Mm -hmm. Well, now we can recommend Zombie Teens Evolution because it is just as much fun. It's a little bit more in depth. Yes. It is definitely a different game. It's not yes. like it's just more of the same, which I really like. There's also another Zombie Kids game coming out early next year, so stay tuned. I'm certain we're going to pick that up. We are all <laughs> excited for that one, including our children. So stay tuned, but definitely Zombie Teens Evolution. Great, fantastic game from Scorpion Mask slash Hachette. Let's go a different direction entirely. I want to talk about Stroop. <laughs> so Stroop is a game that we have not talked about for a while. This is a speedy matching game for strong readers, and it will break your brain. It uses Broke something mine. called the Stroop effect, <laughs> because you're trying to match words that are written in different colors and sizes and typefaces and stuff with the words that describe them. <laughs> um, so like you have the word yellow, but it's written in blue. You have the word small, but it's written in all caps. It is a speedy game. You're constantly just looking for cards in your hand that match what's out there, trying to play it down. I think this is an awesome game for like the lunch table for your middle schooler or for a quick game after school before getting into chores and homework and things. Yeah, it's also unlike like any other game. Like, you know, the Stroop effect is not something that is unknown. If you kind of describe it to someone, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know about that thing. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen a game wrapped around it. It's really yeah. interesting because there's two rounds to the game. One of them, you are playing cards down that describe the card that's in the middle of the table. And then in the next round, you're playing cards down that are described, are described by. by the card that's on the... I mean, it's just like, just <laughs> yes. thinking that part makes my brain hurt. <laughs> <laughs> the updated art for this game has a brain on fire on the cover, and I think that is absolutely totally appropriate. appropriate. So that is Stroop. It's a that's actually a stocking stuffer game as well. It's fairly inexpensive and fairly small, so you could shove that thing into a stocking. You definitely could. Yes, it is a good fit for pretty much anybody who is a strong reader and does not mind speed games. The next game on the list is the game that I'm gonna say was probably my biggest surprise in 2022. Yeah, so this is First Rat. This is a Euro-style game at an introductory level. This game is totally an adult-friendly game. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I yeah. love playing this game. Yeah, this is not just a kid's game. It looks a little cutesy, but don't let the cutesiness fool you. This is a solid Euro with a ton of different ways to get points. And the theme is that you control a little colony of rats who are trying to get the first ratstronauts <laughs> into space to reach the cheese moon. Mm, cheese moon. You are building rocket parts out of junk that you found in the you know junk pile where you live. You're also trying to stockpile cheese. You are finding comic books that teach you a little bit more of skills and help you to find things faster. You're 
buying supplies from like a crow and a frog <laughs> who live near I think it makes perfect sense. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. So, I mean, your goal here is really just to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit faster than your opponent. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and this is a game where you will always be able to find more ways to get points and work with what you've got. So I think it's really great in that respect. I mean, it's great because this is not a game with like a hidden hand and stuff like that. So it's really easy to teach. And when you have a game like this that's designed to be an introductory level game into a kind of a concept, this kind of Euro concept that we're talking about, it's actually super helpful to be perfect information because it allows a little bit of guidance without being like, oh, just let me see your cards. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also good to know that although we put this in our older kids section, this game doesn't require any reading. There is definitely a lot of complex logic and things that you're working through, but no reading at all. So if you've got a kid who is really itching for more complicated games, but still struggles with reading, this might be a great fit. Yeah, there's a little bit of number identification just because you have to have certain counts of stuff to get certain things, but that's it. It's not... It's under five. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Good stuff. Love this game. All right, moving on up. Let's moving talk about games for teens and adults. None of these games are inappropriate for children, but we just think that the themes and the style of them is going to appeal more to adults. Yeah, the first one on this list... I think it might be my game of the year. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and a lot of really great games came out this year. We just don't play a lot of the kind of heavier, chunkier stuff. And this game just slotted right into the absolute perfect place for the two of us. And we just absolutely adore it. And that is Gutenberg. Yeah, so this is very definitely a Euro game that puts you in the era of the early printing press. So you're setting movable type. You're putting in decoration styles and ink colors you're trying to fulfill orders but you're also trying to like turn these gears to get your bonuses just right to hop ahead of your opponents and especially claiming patrons before they can this game has a really great blind bidding mechanic just for the order in which you want to take your turns it reminded me a little bit of isle of sky with the mm -hmm, blind bidding mm -hmm. that you have there but i mean it was both more and less impactful at the same time i guess with the way that it kind of worked out yeah. it was really literally just to determine turn order but other than that again everything's out in the open once you do that one piece and it's just a really interesting game i love the theme of this i love that you're dropping these gears onto the posts on your player board that then interlock to do other things i mean it's just mm -hmm. so much really smart stuff in this game so much so that when i was at essen there was a game made by the same original publishing house so in the okay, united yeah, states yeah. Gutenberg is published by Portal Games, but in Germany, uh, it was published by Grana, and mm -hmm. Grana made a game that's called Spaceship or Space something, I don't remember, and we picked that up, and it's in the Christmas box, and I really want to play it, but um, yeah, we love Gutenberg, fantastic game. This is also one of those games where everything about it is just nice. There's wooden, movable type pieces 
we already mentioned the gears and let me say that three gears that interlock is probably about my max to be able to predict what's going to be where <laughs> yeah i really think them. they did a great job dialing it into exactly the right place do you know what i mean like yeah it's the right level of complexity and the thing is that for all of this it's not nearly as complicated a game as it would look like when you look at the board and everything laid out in part because everything's coming up in the same order every time and you, the player, decide which of these actions you're going to want to take in a given turn. That's part of how that blind bidding prioritization works. So good. Now I want to play Gutenberg. <laughs> well, maybe instead we could play our next game on the list, which is Pan Am. Yeah. So Pan Am was our top game of 2020, and it is still on our recommended list. That should give you an idea of how much we love this game. It's so so good. Everything about this game is dripping with that golden age of air travel, Pan Am, Pan American Airlines style. I love it. But on top of that, it's not just that it's pretty and an unusual theme. It's got really solid, tight gameplay. Mm -hmm. It shocked us when we first played it, how different it felt at all the different player counts. But <laughs> yes. it's good at all of them. Right. It's yeah. not one of those where it's like, oh, well, this game is great at three players, but it's, you know, so-so at two and four. It's just a different style of game at two players and at three players and at four players. So the perfect recipient of a game like Pan Am is a person who likes Ticket to Ride and you're wondering what the next game is to get. This is almost in some ways like a spiritual successor. Right? It is a route building game like Ticket to Ride is a mm -hmm. route building game. But the end goals are really to get Pan Am to take over your local regional airline and all of its routes so that you have the most money at the end of the game. So it feels very similar in a lot of ways to A Ticket to Ride, but in reality, it's actually like a worker placement game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a fantastic way to help those people in your life who like Settlers and Ticket to Ride, and that's it, to move into something else. Plus... It is relatively inexpensive. Pan Am right now on Amazon is $23. Yep. It's crazy. You can also find it on the shelf at stores like Target. It's really easy to find. It's really inexpensive. It has these awesome plain, I don't even want to call them meeples. Plastic minis, planes. Plastic planes. I don't know. It's just a great game. It's so, so good. Four and a half stars, 1,360 ratings on Amazon. You don't have to take our word for it. Pan Am is tremendous. All right, we got one more that we reserved for this teens and adults category. All right. Anyone who has listened to the podcast for a while will also not be surprised <laughs> by this one because it is Merchants of Magic. Merchants of Magic is a roll and write game where you take on the role of a magical equipment merchant. I really like this game because it is another one of these games that drips with theme. It feels like you're in this world where there's this fantastic stuff going around and going on, and all you're really looking at is equipment. Just the art is great and immersive, and the components, like the little potion bottles, like they feel really yeah. good. And I don't think it was an accident that he's using a D6 and a D8 and a D10 yes, and a D12 yes. to just give it that little extra bit of tactile reminder that you're playing a fantasy game. Yeah, well, and I love the way the theming and the art comes together. The theme is that you are a merchant making these various magical items, mm. armor and weapons yep. and whatnot. And all of the art kind of comes together to make you feel like you're on the periphery of somebody else having an adventure. <laughs> 
And that's not a bad thing. It's sort of a, I am head down in my shop working on making the right stuff, but man, isn't this stuff that I am making so cool. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun. And there's a little bit of that combo thing that we love in Fleet and Three Sisters and stuff like that, but it's not quite as much. Just enough. So it's not like you're like, oh, I have to remember all these things. It's really, really good. All right. So those are our four categories that are age-based. We've now got four categories that are specific to uh, certain needs. I think we're going to speed up a little bit as we talk about these because the show is running a little bit long, but that's okay because I think all of these deserve a little bit of attention. Our next category is games for the whole family. And I'm just going to read what I put here. What can little Jimmy play and keep up with older (laughs) siblings and parents? These are all games that are best at three or more players, but they don't require a ton of reading. They don't require a ton of speed. They work out really well for a whole family to play. First one here is Kim Joy's Magic Bakery. So we talked last week about Cryptid Cafe, which is a game that we recently reviewed. And we talked about this idea of making these things and serving them to customers. Kim Joy's Magic Bakery does exactly that same thing. But number one, it's cooperative. And number two, it's got a little bit more flavor to it. Yeah, sort of the things that come up as your difficulties feel more organic and natural and like challenges that you could actually overcome. It didn't feel quite as kind of random as yeah. as what we dealt with um, in Cryptic Cafe. The game's adorable. Uh, it's super fun. Again, it is cooperative. There's a little 10 scenario campaign that you can play if you want to mix it up a little bit. And of course, you know, if you ever watch a Great British Bake Off and Kim Joy as a person is just really was always super unique on that show. And you can really feel her influence on this game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun. Kim Joy's Magic Bakery. But if that's a little bit too sickly sweet for you, <laughs> you could also You're funny. pick up Point salad. Mm. Who doesn't like vegetables? Salad. Recently shown in our Snap reviews, even our kitty cat likes vegetables. (laughs) Point salad is a game that challenges players to craft the most valuable vegetable collection. You choose every turn whether you want to grab more vegetables or add new personal goals by flipping those vegetables over. This is another fast-moving game, although it's not a speed game, and it allows up to six players. So for us, that means our whole family can play with a guest over, Mm. which is nice. Next on our list, So Clover. This is kind of the next game from the team that brought you just one. So this is the one exception. There is reading and writing in this game. Not great for your struggling readers. Yeah, It also requires a lot of creativity in how you take these words and kind of relate them to one another. But it's really cool. Everyone uh, simultaneously creates clues for their own personal Clover board that tries to relate some words together and then mixes all of those words up. And everybody else has to try to figure out where those words go. Every time we play this, we have a blast. And we've already encouraged many people in our personal lives to buy their own copies. Yes, that has in fact happened. (laughs) So we feel very confident in recommending it to everyone else. Absolutely. The next game on the list is a game that you've heard a lot about recently, and that is Green Team Wins. I think you kind of know how we feel about this game. This, I think, is a game that over the course of the next six months, we are also going to end up encouraging a lot of people to pick up their own copy of. Yeah, I mean, the game is inexpensive. Again, it's $25 on Amazon. For 12 players. 12 players. This is a game that if you give it to someone for Christmas, you can then sit down and play it right away. Just have them open it up right away. have the family there. Yes. You're going to want to play Green Team Wins. All right, on the opposite end of the spectrum. Totally opposite. Games for two players. First one on this list is, in fact, our favorite two-player game of 2022, and that is Jekyll versus Hyde. 
the trick taking, the balancing, the powers, playing just the right card at just the right time. This game is so good. It's got a really interesting almost social deduction kind of aspect to it where you're really trying to get into the mind of whomever it is that mm-hmm. you're playing against to figure out what you think they're going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really, really great. I love playing this game and then switching roles and then playing it again. Yes. Perfect. So good. And it's simple and it's tiny. It fits right in a purse or even like a back pocket or something like that. Yeah. Love it. That's small thing. Let's talk about big things. T-Rex. T-Rex is big, unmatched T-Rex versus Dr. Sattler. We've talked a lot about the Unmatched series. We love all of the Unmatched series, except for that Buffy set. Uh (laughs) Sorry, Buffy. We even have already played and loved the first Jurassic Park set. This one is totally different. The huge T-Rex takes up two spaces on the board. Absolutely gigantic. Lots and lots of fun. And you really have to be very strategic. Try to navigate your way around and to survive this giant hulking beast. Yes, you have to think very carefully when it's T-Rex versus Sadler. So obviously you can mix these two with anything else in the Unmatched series. Any of those characters. (laughs) Yeah, the universe. But, um, you know, for a two-player game, this is a pretty good one to just grab and go. Mm -hmm. Our last one is Land versus Sea, which can also be played with three or four players, but it really does shine at two. It's right there in the name, Land versus Sea. So you are laying tiles to build continents or lakes or streams, depending on whether you are the land or the sea. One person scores land masses, one person scores water areas. So you're always trying to connect various things together. There's lots of different goals that you actually end up having over the course of the game to try to score some points. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. Every time you play, it's a little bit different, which I really like about tiling games in general. This is one of those games where you're trying to accomplish your goal, but also stop the opponent from accomplishing their goals Mm -hmm. at the same time. So it does have a very back and forth feel to it. All right, Nature, let's get into some stocking stuffers. Who doesn't like stocking stuffers? I think all of these games can be had for under $15, I think think depending on where you look okay the first one on this list i want to i want to say this i don't even know if you know this the first thing on this list is the holiday hijink series from grand gamers guild now we had dozens of these at essen yes we sold out of all of them so quickly it was crazy these are hugely popular i think they might be more popular internationally which is weird but these are 18 card escape rooms that are completely reusable not at all destructible they are an amazing gift to give people well and this is giving a game as an experience right and with the holiday theme it's just delightful to have all of these puzzles with a holiday theme around them you're you're not escaping a room you're not solving a murder you're solving a puzzle different puzzles depending on which holiday themed holiday hijinks you're going for but there are five different ones we have reviewed four of them and there's more coming by the way Yes. (laughs) So they're not going to stop. So this might end up being one of those things where you pick up the set for someone now, and now you've got a go-to stocking stuffer, eh, one a year. If they they like it, keep them coming. Mm -hmm. Another kind of uh, stocking stuffer, not quite as small, but just as much fun, are the undo games. So this is a really interesting series. So these are kind of like solving a murder mystery, but not exactly. What you're actually doing is you're 
traveling back and forth through time looking for clues to see if you can prevent a death. The death happens at the beginning of the game and then you're working back and forth to see if you can maybe stop it from happening by the time your time runs out. These are one-time use, obviously, but completely non-destructible. You can pack everything back up in the box and give it to somebody else to play again. Or if you're really a perfectionist, you can pack it all back up and try it again a different time and see if you can improve your score. They come with a lot of different themes, but they are all about death in one form or another. So I would not give these to children. Yeah, I mean, they're not gory or gruesome. The first one we played was a little scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was Lovecraftian horror. Right. <laughs> I mean, we played these as a family. So yes. I wouldn't give them to a, a young kid, but, you know, you could give them to the parents if you have brothers or sisters who have families and say, yeah, this is a game that you can play as a family. Yeah. On the flip side, ha 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 ha. <laughs> our next game is Flip Picks. So this is a game that feels a lot like a Spot It. You match pictures with letters and letters with pictures. And just like Spot It, you're trying to empty your hand. As of press time, this one is also not available on Amazon. But again, I was able to find it at both Walmart and Macy's. Macy's? We're going old school. Next on our list is a series that we always talk about and always talk about how much we love, and it is Similo. These are fantastic stocking stuffers. I think this might be the third year, maybe even the fourth year that we've recommended Similo in our holiday gift guide, but there are so many of them now that we keep on recommending it because it's such a great cooperative game, and it's so small. Mm. Yeah, and you can find them animals, historical figures, Harry Potter. You know, they're even getting into the branded ones now. So yeah. super, super interesting, really inexpensive. You could get a deck for everybody in your family. <laughs> I mean, most of these are $10. A few of them are a little bit less. Do it up, man. <laughs> Let's get into our last section, which is games for non-gamers. First one on this list, I mentioned that I loved playing this game, and I was so bugged by how much I loved playing this <laughs> game because it was a kid's game, and that was Magic Mountain. This game is not just for kids. Literally anyone can play it. If you bring it out at your holiday gathering, I bet your Aunt Carol will start hollering for her marble to go the right way down the board. No, no, not that way. The other way. Come on. <laughs> it's almost like Jell's Marble League or whatever. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't find it on Amazon right now. It is sold out probably because of that Kinderspiel award. But you can find it at Walmart and you might be able to find it on Amazon, you know, some other time before the end of the year. I don't know when it's going to come back into print. Or ask for it at your local game store. See if they have a copy. Try that as well. Next game on the list. Not exactly a new game, but it is another game that will pull everyone in. And this is Tapple. In our experience, this pulled in even teenagers who would be like, ugh board games as a family why would i want to do that <laughs> and then the timer starts and people are shouting out words and they're like oh oh i got one i got one so in tapple you flip over kind of a like a category card on the table and then you have this device that has most of the letters of the alphabet and little toggles next to each one of those letters and the device starts with someone, they'll push down a toggle and say something that fits that category that starts with that letter and then hand it off to the next person. And every time that you push a letter down, it resets the timer. So it's kind of like a hot potato combined with this, you know, uh, like letter, letter word game. Letter word game. Yeah. The whole idea is really simple. It fits together really well. And it's one of those games that is just 
fun. Again, stronger reading skills are better, although your younger kids may surprise you with what they come up with. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you flip over a category card and you explain what the category card is, and that's it. So it's not so much reading as it is like domain knowledge and vocabulary. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's Tapple. Here's another one that we recommend all the time to everyone, and that's Super Mega Lucky Box. It's a flipping right that you don't have to laminate. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's true. Comes with the markers right in the box. This is a perfect game for that bingo-loving grandma and Uncle Larry who will reminisce about watching Schoolhouse Rock because of the style of the game and the art. It is very bingo-like, but it's got combos. It's got the ability to adjust your numbers uh, to make it a little bit more possible to complete as many bingo cards as possible. Some lightweight strategy, and everyone is really just trying to score as many cards as fast as they can. This is one of those games that, while it's competitive, there's no take that. There's no direct interaction between people. So you can all kind of groan together or cheer together (laughs) as numbers come up that you really want or you really don't. And that's exactly what happens. I mean, <laughs> near the end of the game, it's like, come on, I need a two or a six, a two or a six. Ah! Why did it have to be a four? Right. Yeah. All right. So the last one on our list this year is a game that I think has been on our list for like the last five years because it remains excellent. I kept it off the list for a couple of years because I try not to repeat all the time, but it <laughs> was back, baby. It was time for it to come back. And that is drop it. This is one of those games that's sort of marketed as being more older kid and adult. But in my experience, even preschoolers can play drop it and have fun And you know what? It doesn't matter if they're being an agent of chaos because Drop It is all about the chaos. (laughs) Dropping your wooden shapes. They bounce around inside this vertical slot board. board, And you're trying to drop a shape in such a way that it does not touch anything of the same shape nor anything of the same color. That is the only way that you can get points. There are also bonus points available as you go along. And it just looks cool and it's fun to play to drop these shapes in. And again, you groan or cheer or go, what? How is that even possible? As somebody's (laughs) circle balances on the point of a triangle. I don't know if I've done that before, but I've seen some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, look, the best part about giving games as gifts is that you'll often get a chance to play them with the recipient. You don't say. If we didn't list anything that strikes your fancy, what I would say is go to thefamilygamers.com and search for the gifts tag because you'll pull up our gift giving guide from the last five or whatever years because, hey, board games don't expire. All right, Anitra, I think that that is it for this show. Where can people go on the internet to find us and ask us questions or maybe submit some of those community reviews that we talked about? Well, let's talk about the community first. Sure. We think the simplest way to get there is thefamilygamers.com slash community. But you can also search for The Family Gamers or The Family Gamers Community on Facebook. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now YouTube at Family Gamers AA. We got our Ooh. YouTube handle at Family Gamers AA on everything. You can also still find us at The Family Gamers on YouTube you as can. well. Yes, we get both. Especially if you've got a quick little review that you want to share with us, we would love an email. You can email me, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. 
It is obviously getting close to gift-giving season, so if you've got a family gaming lover in your household, you might want to get them some family gamers or play games with your kids' merchandise. You can find t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more at thefamilygamers.com slash merch. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear, and tell your friends about it. It is the best way to support us. I mean, yes, Amazon affiliate links are great, but really, we just want to get the word out there about playing games with your kids. Yes, it is absolutely our passion. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash gamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. If you were interested in the student loan forgiveness scenario that we were talking about earlier in the podcast, just check the podcast show notes and there will be a direct link there. Well, we are working on an exciting interview for everybody for next week. So until then, play play games games with with your kids. kids.